0: Hi everybody, I'm Liz Nord, and you're listening to the No Film School Podcast. (music) Janixa Bravo and Brett Gelman really seem to have it made as rising stars in both TV and independent film. In six years, Janixa has made six shorts, some of which were featured at major festivals, including one that was awarded a Sundance Jury Prize— and another virtual reality film that was showcased at Tribeca Storyscapes. Plus, she directed the feature film Lemon and the celebrated Juneteenth episode of the Emmy-winning series Atlanta. Brett has acted in basically every cool show on television, including current stints on David Lynch's Twin Peaks reboot and Judd Apatow's Love on Netflix. He's also been in several movies and headed up two of his own comedy specials on Adult Swim. So, it was a bit of a surprise to learn that they suffer from the same anxieties, insecurities, frustrations, and setbacks that the rest of us do. In fact, it was these feelings that birthed the real-life married couple's collaboration on the film Lemon, which premiered at Sundance earlier this year, and then played opening night of Rotterdam the same week. It's currently being released theatrically by Magnolia Pictures, and I spoke to the couple before the New York premiere. They co-wrote the film, which Janixa directed, In it, Brett plays Isaac, a bit of an unlikable sad sack in the middle of one of life's downward spirals. Our own John Fusco wrote a No Film School post about absurdism, where he pointed out that, in philosophy, the absurd refers to the conflict between the human tendency to seek inherent value and meaning in life and the inability to find any. And that pretty much sums up Isaac's dilemma in Lemon. In our conversation today, Brett and Janixa share very candid details about the six-year struggle to get the film made, which included lots of rejection, and how they overcame each hurdle. And I think you'll really learn a lot about how the industry
1: actually works from what they have to say.
0: Could you start just by introducing yourselves?
1: Yes, I am Janixa Bravo, the co-writer and director of Lemon.
2: I am Brett Gelman, the co-writer and uh actor of lemon
1: are you gonna make me hold the mic for you
2: no I can hold the mic for you (laughs) oh yeah yeah no I guess I'll take it when I'm speaking into the mic and then you'll take it yeah yeah that makes sense in case we go on like long explanations which we tend to do correct okay great
0: (laughs) do you guys have some sort of like eye signal you can give each other when you need to take the mic from the other person no we'll just like grab it from one another
2: (laughs) Yeah, just like in a really (laughs) aggressive way
0: So folks, if you hear a lot of banging, it's just the mic It'll be more
2: aggressive when she grabs it from me
0: (laughs) I think it's a little early in the interview to get into that territory So welcome to the show, I'm so glad you're here (laughs) Thank you Um, I want to read a statement that I read uh, that Janixa wrote Thank you for having us Oh, Such a pleasure I want to read a statement that you wrote about the film And its sort of origins or part of a statement So I'm going to read right off the phone here I felt I'd put in plenty of days and hours into my craft and nothing worthwhile was presenting itself. Lemon was birthed out of a deep frustration. Now, I think a lot of our listeners can relate to that. You know, we're all creatives and trying to make stuff happen. So I'd love to hear more about it and and also how you got out of that to make Lemon.
1: I, I guess I feel that getting out of it is a result of getting to make the film, is being given the money, right? Because I feel there was the frustration up until right before that even even in the production of it there was still that frustration of I know I feel I deserve this I feel we deserve this and I I feel also very capable because some of that frustration was rooted in this idea of whether or not I was capable or whether or not I was ready in terms of the frustration the genesis of the piece is very much for both of us coming from this place of Am I going to make it? Am I going whatever make it means to, you know, the individual? Am I going to get to arrive at the thing that I saw for myself, the thing I set out for myself? You know, I went to university to study X. Do I get to do that? And so when we wrote the first draft of Lemon, I was 30. Brett was 35. And so the math would make me, oh, actually, I'm 36 and you're 40. Um you don't want to talk about it. <laughs> You're going to be 41. Anyways, let's move on. No ages. No, that's good. We know so much. Uh so You do. You know less. I don't you know went. Anything. You learned less. <laughs> um Well she
2: she always know. talks about how this film was an exorcism and actually I was talking to somebody earlier today. <laughs> Where she said, You seem to be very much still wrapped up in what the film is about and still very much wrapped up in where uh, the character's at. And I, I think that I am. I don't think, unfortunately, that I have exercised it. So, um, but that's okay.
0: So it wasn't just Jenixa that was feeling that way at that point. You, Brett, also were like feeling like you somehow were creatively frustrated or wanted to like push into new territory or was it entirely where Janixa was that that birthed the
1: film? I think the thing that was so shocking to me was that at that moment when we were sort of, when we were sitting together and kind of discussing what the thing was that we wanted to be writing together or working on, I made a list of the things I kind of needed to expel. And they were fear of failure. They were this deep anxiety. It was like there was a boot on my chest. There was this, everyone, it feels as if everyone is passing me by and I'm going to be left behind. Uh, our friends are buying homes, having children, getting married. They're making their first, second, and third features. And here I am, like I've made a short film and I have multiple freelance jobs that make me want to hurt myself. And and when I sort of looked to Brett, while to me where I stood it looked like he was a working actor from the moment we've met. We, we've been together for almost nine years now. And he'd always... Had he'd not been doing anything that wasn't acting, so I thought that meant, well, you're happy, and I'm just not. And and when he listed his frustrations, they were relative; they were pretty identical. And it was cool to me or interesting to me that we, you know, are we are embodying different energies and spirits, but here we were um, in this similar mental space.
2: It's almost like I started really working as an actor once I met. Janixa like right at that point prior to that (laughs) thank you I would do thank you Um, prior to that I mean I was writing I was mostly seen treated as a writer and um, there was no world in which I would ever be cast in something that I did not write myself and there really wasn't much of a world that I would be cast in something that I did write myself And a lot of the writing I was doing, I thought, you know, was trash, you know, it was just like, you know, comedy, uh, bullshit. So not that I think all comedy is bullshit. That's not what I'm saying, but yeah, just like trashy shows that I'd be staff, you know, and just like in a writer's room, like wanting to die. (laughs) Um, and just, you know, and I felt frustrated with the comedy community in a way because in my placement in it, I just, I felt like I was just different and that I wanted to do something that what had different values and a different, um, approach and, um, and Janixa really opened the door for that. And I thought, I, I mean, I felt, I mean, it was very much her idea. How I remember it is that this film was her idea and that it was an examination of her own thoughts and feelings. And then also an examine, her examination of me, <laughs> Ah. <laughs> this person that she had in the room who was constantly spinning this like neurotic beast um reflected a lot of her own uh you know her own dark emotions but also a a, a tremendous amount of empathy and I do think that there is a lot of empathy in the film not just for herself but for me. And um and so uh, yeah, I, th- I felt when she came up with the idea that it felt like a little bit of a character study of like my darkest at the very dark aspects of my personality, as well as hers. And I guess that's part of the reason that we connect so deeply is because we do have that. But she mm,
0: connected through neuroses.
2: Yeah, but she's way better at compartmentalizing that.
0: Uh-huh. So then brass tacks like you were both in this place, you found each other, you were working on this script and funding. I mean, it didn't just come out of thin air, but like, what, how did it, you actually go from idea to execution?
1: Who stepped in? So when we, our first shareable draft of Lemon came five years ago and Brett sent it to Michael, Sarah, unbeknownst to me, we had written a part for him and they happened to be, I was, I was working I, at the time I was styling and He, while I was at work, sent Michael a draft, and Michael read it the same day and said yes. And when I came home, he was like, good news, bad news. Like, you're gonna be upset that I sent the script out, but the good news is Michael read it and said yes, and it was, you know, it was this major um, sort of like light. Um, And we shared that news with his representation. I don't think I had representation of the time, not not for directing or writing. And so we shared it with them and suddenly it became real because we, somehow the two of us was not real enough, but someone of note saying yes to us was was this um, was this like thumbs up that, kind of kicked our our representation in the butts a bit or in the seats and so once Michael said yes it was like we've got to cast the rest of the movie and we got to find you financing. So both of those started to happen at the same time. We found a few more casts. We wrote that part for Michael. We wrote a part for Fred Malamed, John Daly and uh, Judy Greer. So they were pretty set and then um, finding the sort of the piece of the money we found some people who were Interested, who were giving us the money, and then an actor, who shall remain nameless, dropped out um, while we were on day one of pre-production, actually, and so we lost half of our funding, and we had to scramble to replace them, and it takes a really long time to find actors, especially people you don't have relationships with. It's and one
0: non-traditional thing. role.
1: Yeah, I mean, our, our film is unusual. I mean, we're not going to both sit here and pretend like it's, like, straight. And, and who gets the film gets the tone and is also behind us at that point. Because at that point, I've only made one short film. And while Brett has been working, he also doesn't have, like, a great deal. Uh, he doesn't have a large body of work. So you have to just kind of blindly trust that it's going to work out. And so it was, and we had been building a relationship with this person. So for them to back out at that moment, it was, it was really dark. Oh, it's painful. It hurts so hard. So we lost half of our funding and-,
2: and then we, yeah, lost all of it. Yeah. It's, it's also, it's, it's strange when you feel like you need to sell something that you, you, I guess I'm in narcissistic in this way where I'm just like well you you feel about film and art in the way that that I do in the way that Janixa does that you would want to be a part of something that is really new and exciting you know and I feel I I knew from the get-go from the first word that she wrote down of her first short you know when I saw her direct the first play I saw her direct, not her first play that she directed, you know, that this was a, a, an incredibly singular original artist. So and and just watching her shorts, if you were an actor or you were a, um, even a financier, um, but especially an actor, that you would be excited by that. And it just it blew my mind how how in danger it seemed like people felt or judgmental of it or just couldn't get it. And I was just like, are people stupid? <laughs> I just was like, do people read? Are they aware of the history of art and literature and things like that? I mean, sure, this is, this is strange, but it is by no means strange in the way that many other uh, works have been uh, strange. And so it was, uh, it was surprising to me, but I guess that means that I'm, I think I'm a little out of touch and it makes me feel like maybe I'm, I'm a narcissist because it's like,
0: well, that's interesting. I think we can, we can get into this idea of originality, um, a little bit later on, but to just get to, so now you you hit this crossroads in production, and thank you for being so candid. I actually didn't know any of this, so so you hit this crossroads, and then what happened next? The person left. You lost some financing.
1: Um, I went into a deep depression and kind of spiraled. I I didn't realize. <laughs> that I I remember the moment. We're actually we're at a party at um at Ian Morris's house, and it was Taika, it was Taika Waititi. I should have told him this on Sunday. He did our Q&A. Oh, I love him. That he was so much a part of why I felt mentally okay. Uh, we were at this party at Ian's house, and I remember being... Um, in the bathroom at the, the he has this insane house and um in the bathroom at this house and there's a beautiful sink and I'm like in love with the sink and our, our film had just fallen apart like three days before and I'm like I'm just gonna hang out in the bathroom of this house and I'm looking over you can look at the backyard and the pool and there are all these there are all these friends hanging out and and I see Taika uh actually like enter um with his partner and um and I was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna spend the time up here, and that's what I'm gonna do." And I, I maybe Brett, like text or called me to ask where I was because I'd been gone for a while. And I came downstairs, and I, I was really, like, real, like in so much pain. And um, then he asked how I was, and I, I told him about the movie falling apart. And um, and he was like, yeah, oh god. And then he kind of retells this short story about something of his coming falling apart, and and there's someone else there, who I don't really know, and I can't really remember them, and they tell the same thing, and and suddenly I'm like in this group of you know these five guys who I assume everything is much better for them, and, and, and Ian included, who were all like, oh my god, this was the third or the fourth, like, seven times this, fell. And, and they had all these stories, and I didn't realize that this had been a very normal part of the path. I mean, I'd come from theater, and for the most part in theater, when someone says they're going to back your thing, they back your thing. Especially at the level that I was working at. People don't say they're showing up to something and then don't show up, and it seems like that's a pretty normal aspect of, of the film space, with financing mm-hmm. and perhaps because there's so much more money at stake. So uh, I wouldn't, I still, I, I felt, it felt good that there were people that others had been in this space. Like it definitely didn't make me feel like I was alone, but it still felt really sad. I wanted to be working as a director and, and it felt like, uh, you know, the sort of the, the ground had been, um, uh, sort of pulled from me, and I was like, this is giant hole, and and maybe it was. It was the same thing that Lemon had come from. Like, is the universe trying to tell me that this is not the thing for me? I should find something else. And I thought, you know, is this is this that sign again? And Brett, I think because Brett is an actor, or maybe he just has, like, this is, like, the, um, the power of the Jew or something. I don't know. Um, he's so great at at rejection and is so good at no. in, in And <laughs> in, in that, and I mean, and I think actors have this thing where it's in their bones, the ability to to receive a no and keep going in a way that most normal people, like most of us can't to be, to be told no so much is really hard and, and to sort of decide like, Hey, that's not about me or it's still okay or I can still keep going. Like I just didn't really have that. And, and he was so great at, at picking himself up and picking us both up and saying that it was fine, that we were going to get there. He somehow could see it in a way that I couldn't, that, that there was like, there some, he knew that someone would say yes at some point. And I just was like, they're never going to say yes. Um.
2: I believe in her and I believe that we were going to find something and that we had to fight. Uh, This is, you know, this is odd material. This is a black woman in our business directing. You you had to fight. Absolutely. And, and so nobody was going to hand this to her. To for it 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 felt like justice to me, and it felt whenever anybody said no to her. When people said no to me, I was like, okay, I get it. I'm just like a cog in the machine. But when people said no to her, it felt unjust to me. And uh, and it, whenever anybody does anything that is in any way dismissive of her, of her talents, it feels unjust, and it makes me angry. So I think it was really rage that carried me through, rather than a strength, you know? It was like I was I was angry and I needed to make it happen and I needed to uh, make sure that people were fighting for this. And I think that maybe I damaged some relationships in the process probably because anybody who got in the way and anybody who ever um, disrespected the peace in my mind was disrespecting her. And I won't. You can dis- disrespect me, but you cannot disrespect her. And and so I'm getting really intense. It I feel like, like emotionally raw right now. <laughs> and I'm glad that she thinks that I'm so good at taking no. I really don't think so. I guess I'm I'm good at compartmentalizing rejection, just because I have like no other resilience. choice.
0: Like yeah. maybe the taking it is always hard, but the bouncing back from it is a skill you have, which I think we all need
2: in this yeah. business.
1: No I concert, guess
2: for sure. or just feel like you're always rejected and that's just the way and at least like a check's coming in the mail, you know, so.
0: Well, so now I'm like on the edge of my seat because I still don't know how you got from crying in the bathroom sink to the <laughs> film being made
2: it got re-energized. Well, really what re-energized it, or do you want to take over the story was that when she, you know, again, it was Michael, Sarah, we went into like, Jash was being formed, which was the YouTube channel that was started. That was curated by Michael, Sarah Silverman, Tim and Eric and Reggie Watts. It still is, it still exists. Um, and they're awesome people and they brought us in and, uh, and, uh, Daniel Kellison, who's the head of Jash, said you're on Michael's short list for who he wants doing stuff for his channel. And then we talked about some ideas and they they were like, Do you have anything for Michael? And she had been writing, she had written this piece called Gregory Go Boom. And originally it was for me. But then we both looked at each other and we were like, This would be great for Michael. And and so, um, and so Michael read it, and he said, yeah, let's do it. And then Gregory Go Boom got into Sundance, and it won an award. And then that really started the slow ball rolling. But it did re-energize the project, because now Janixa was getting um, some hype. And then we were able to get other allies on board. And then she started having a relationship.
1: But that's still three years before Lemon happens.
2: Right.
1: So we're, we're at the two-year mark. So we have, like, from year two to three, there's, like, some solid, like, oh, you're not a total dum-dum. <laughs> uh, and maybe you can. And so there was... We are definitely meeting more people, going, meeting lots of actors. Like, there was... I got representation, so then there were also people working on my behalf. But it still took another another three years. And in that time, Brett worked more. I made uh six other short films and and then and then honestly like the way that it came to be was like so non-sexy. Brett was at Sundance last year with this film called Joshy, Jeff Baina's movie, and the sales agent at UTA who is a friend of ours, Mikey Short's right, uh was like just like text Brett or emailed Brett like do you want to go to lunch with these guys that are here? They went out to lunch And they liked Brett, and he was like, I have a movie. And then they read it, and it was like, okay, cool. I mean, it was like the least sexy. To the point where I was like, it's not happening because it's just just not possible.
2: I mean... It was a little sexy. It was like a meeting at Sundance. (laughs) It was a Sundance in the midst of the festival. It was a Sundance in the midst of the festival. A meeting in the midst of the festival in a hot tub. Me and the three gentlemen were naked. (laughs) Uh, No, yeah, this is getting
0: better and better. Dicks
2: out. We did not have sex, although a couple of them were very attractive. Um, Which ones? Name them. Huh? The Burnins. No, (laughs) and Sam. Sam's very attractive. Uh Trio. He's Yeah. No, uh, but yeah, there was a lot. Of, that's why I said the slow ball rolling, because it did take a while. There was a lot of despair. There were a lot of um, empty chunks of like, oh, maybe this. I mean, I, it's not like I didn't have doubts, you know, uh, but. Lots, we, of,
1: lots of dinners with people who were like, I have the money, and then they disappear. Lots of uh, rosés and cigarettes and uh, oh, oh oh, I've got a great idea. Oh, I've got all this financing. you just got to meet this guy and you got to do that. I mean, like so many like yeah. loony bin people who are like some blood money in there. I was like, what is this?
2: Oh, yeah, we had we had money uh, that was potentially coming to us and then that person went to prison. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. I mean, it definitely. And I think but I do think that it's cool because all of this negativity. Oh, killer. Killer was instrumental in making this uh, real because, well, it's Christine Vachon, and, I, you know, we might as well, when we say independent film, say instead Christine Vachon because she's one of the most important people. She's one of the reasons independent film in the United States is uh, exists 100 percent yeah has a, pulse. has a pulse
0: but it's funny because given the way the rest of this story has been going when you first said killer i was like jesus there's a murder involved too oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: remember
1: the killer well, uh-huh. there's a lot
2: of violence and despair in our, in our lives but um but yeah they and i'll we'll she'll get to the genesis of how they got involved but you know they not only their support of the project, you know, moved it forward, but also their involvement in it because if you hear the killer films is involved, you get excited if you're a person who is giving money to things.
1: Yeah, so so uh, the 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 fast track is that that first year is Michael says yes, we get the financing, actor drops out, all of it falls apart. End of the first year, I uh, get this opportunity to work on this short film Gregory Go Boom so like year two is making Gregory Gregory online Gregory goes to Sundance win an award and then the so that there's like the energy of that year two to three and year three is when I m- meet a producer that we know introduces or I think they sent the short to Christine Vachon and David Hinojosa at Killer Films. They watched it. They sent an email to me. It was like this really short email. And I was like, huh, who are these people? What's happening?" I mean, I knew who they were. And I was like, why is that happening? Is this real? And I forwarded it to my agent and she was like, oh, that's amazing. And so we sent a draft of Lemon to them. They read it in like two days and asked to get on a phone call. And we got on a phone call and And then I came to New I came to New York sort of in that time anyways, and I had like a fifteen minute meeting with them in which I was so intimidated by Christine, and I mostly just stared at David, uh, who felt like a little bit more warm. And then I think you you had like a twenty five minute meeting with them like two months later.
2: Yeah, I don't. Yeah, exactly. And I was intimidated, but. By that time, yeah, I think I was. I mean, I was intimidated. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and I mean, yeah, like Brett said, you know, uh, you you think of so many of my favorite pieces of work, so many of the things that shaped and inspired Formative. me were under under their banner. Absolutely, and um, and I would say filmmakers that I would be more than happy to be included in the camp of, um, you know, like strange strange weirdos also, and so to be invited in made me feel like well I'm on the right path and and oh this path is gonna be long um also well
0: I feel like there's a theme of these kind of votes of confidence that come along the way and a huge one even just being in your partnership Brett having that faith that you know this is something worth like standing
1: behind so that's definitely a theme you know from Michael Christine, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. I mean, the those pockets of validation. I mean, I don't want it to sound like I was not a part of that and I somehow needed like white people to come and tell me that it was okay. Um, I really don't want it to sound that way. I'm very much engaged in my process and how I arrived at any of those things. And I felt those, what I got from them, what I got from Michael, Christine, and Brett were these people in my corner that were reminding me that no matter what they were going to be there, that I didn't, it it was as if like I could be in a space where I felt totally dismissed and rejected. And in the back of my mind, I was like, well, it doesn't matter because I have these people in my corner, as opposed to this feeling of total isolation when you're being dismissed, which is maybe what I had felt before. And you know, there's there's tons of no's, and then there are these small yeses, and those small yeses are like what keep you moving forward. So I just wanted to make sure that it didn't seem like I was sort of like floating and waiting for them to move
2: forward. Do you know what I mean?
0: No, and there's, no, there's nothing there's nothing
2: floating about her.
0: No. There was never
2: any question that she had of her own talent and her own ability. The despair came from. Uh, a feeling of aggression from the people who were, were closing the door on her.
0: Yeah. And I certainly wasn't under that impression. It's more like, again, I'm always thinking about our listeners and our readers and we're all filmmakers. And I think that this applies no matter who you are, like we call it independent filmmaking, but it's really interdependent. Like you just have to have some other people in your corner. It sounds, and in this case for sure.
2: Yeah. uh, it, It, it's, it's important. You know, it's, um, you have to have allies. It's a collaborative process. And yeah, even if you're a white dude, you need like people backing you up because it, at some point it's going to be a fight. You it's know, just easier to get whether it's over if you're a white dude, right yeah. over. Exactly. It, it, yeah. People are more likely to support white dudes. So, um, so and, and and every step of the of the process is there's going to be fights, you know, whether it's over logistical, financial things, or whether it's over creative things, and there it is a business made up of difficult people, um, and that's putting it nicely. So <laughs> y- you need it's it's a, it's a battle. This film, everything that you do, everything that we do is is covered in blood. <laughs> it's just it's not easy, but. The good news about that is, is that I'd like to think that that is all put on screen. All of that stress, all of that angst, all of that feeling of being dismissed, all of that uh, aggression coming towards her and all of that aggression going from her, that's all put on the screen. And it's like in the soul of the piece that's one of the reasons that her work is so exciting to me whether i was involved in it or not and it's it's pretty wild because i i don't really when i watch myself it's not like i don't like watching myself but i'm also like very much like that's not me you know a lot of the time so it's watching this film is 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 very much like for me is watching her work and uh and that's what i see
0: well so funny enough we've I never got past my first question here, so I didn't uh, even need the notes, which is amazing. Oh I my mean, God, I'm so but this—it's no, it's it's actually wonderful because it's you know again, you've been so candid about your process, and that's what we want to know about, and so it's fascinating. But I do because I promised you I would want to get back to this originality question, and it's actually tied exactly into what you were saying. Like I feel like in writings about the film and reviews we won't you know get into details but i kept seeing the word original over and over again and you've acknowledged that it's original but i'm not really sure why that surprises anyone because from my point of view like of course it would be original because almost everything we've ever seen is a like a story about women people of color or white people by by white men and this is a story told by a woman of color about a white man so of course it's going like it has to be original Um, so I'd love to hear just a little about your like flipping the script from your perspective Janixa and maybe Brett just like what it's like to be on the other side of that had you worked even with a director of color or a female director before was
1: this any different had you worked with a director of color or a woman director
2: I had worked with uh, women directors and directors of color in uh in television in episodic a, a great deal um, but that's different than working with a black female auteur. Um, and that I had never worked with. But I've also yeah. And I had uh, yeah, I'd never worked with um, a, a woman of color um, in film before. So I mean there's not many. <laughs> Most people haven't, unfortunately.
1: Uh, in terms of I, I... I, lo- I would not use the word original originality. I appreciate it being used. It's one of those things where it's better if someone says it about you than if you are using it to talk about yourself because that feels like not right to me. Um, and, and Brett would happily use it to talk about himself because he's okay with that. Um, <laughs> I'm,
2: like a, I'm, like, I'm like a rapper.
1: <laughs> I'm, I OG, am going to...
2: No, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Any, anything that I say about myself, I could easily say the opposite.
1: That's really cool. I like that about you. I have no. In terms of the me being a woman of color and Brett being a man not of color, I I a lot of the stuff that I have written, my shorts most the protagonists have always been except for one piece have all been white. And of the bulk of those pieces, half of them are are men and in I'd never when I was writing those pieces, it wasn't until a, someone had said like, "Oh, you keep you you write a lot of men," and I was like, "Oh, am I? Oh, okay." I didn't realize that I, I was just writing a person, and they happened to be a man, and I, I didn't wasn't even aware that I was I wasn't consciously choosing to write a man. I wasn't consciously choosing choosing to write 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 a white person. Um, I think I was writing parts for people that were close to me and people that would say yes to me and the people that were like nearby and those actors happen to be white. And in terms of this store and all of those pieces are very much about feelings. I mean, Lemon is so much about feelings, you know, Brett, Brett is a white guy. It is the story of a flailing white guy who plateaus and things don't work out for definitely no question. And race is, is woven into that piece for sure, and it is a comment on these kinds of movies where things always work out for white guys, and and it is not working out for Isaac, no question. It is not. It is not. Um, and I mean, it could later, but it's not in in the in what you are presented with. Your 83 minutes are things don't seem to be okay for him, so. It's, but it's about feelings. it's it's about the it's about the frustration. it's about feeling like a victim. it's about feeling unheard, invisible. And I'm just attracted to this sort of like rot, I guess, like people rotting and this um, and, um, and 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 what is the word I'm looking for like this sort of um like, falling through space Uh, I don't know what that word is I can like kind of visually see it yeah free fall and and that that thing of that I said at the very beginning of like these are the things I want to work on because it's what I'm trying to get rid of. Like my writing or the pieces that I chose to focus on are like, this is the thing that I want to have a conversation with about myself or the thing that I'm trying to like expel. Like I don't want to be like this or I don't want to see this in me anymore. And here we were both having this conversation, but we were coming at it from different angles. And so it was about feelings and they're my feelings expressed through like a white male body, but I'm, a version of every character in that film. Someone recently, I don't remember who it was, was like, so you're Nia's character. And I'm like, Nia's face is black and definitely not me. Uh, I wish I was Nia's character. I wish I was like a stable person. Um, or at least, at least I wish I felt that way. Um, and also looked like that. But, um, and it was just easy for them to go, well, you're black, so you're the black person in the movie. And it's like, that's the last person I am in the mm-hmm. movie. I'm literally every other person that feels <laughs> like they're coming undone. Um, and maybe Michael." hair. But, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think the piece was just about feelings. Like his whiteness is a part of it. It is definitely a part of my comment, but it was so much about this like deep, deep anxiety at like the base of my gut and, and to be able to, I guess for myself, like exercise in like what it was like to sort of like embody whiteness and also feel mediocre, but actually be mediocre is is uh, maybe what makes it feel, I guess, original.
0: Mm. Okay, final, final question. Yes. So again, we're speaking to filmmakers and just to come all the way full circle, if somebody's at that place, if someone listening is at that place that sounds like you both were at the beginning of this process where you're like creatively frustrated and a little stuck and you feel like people aren't hearing you, but you have something to say, what advice do you have?
2: Uh, I really would say that if you feel like you can do anything else, you should do it. That's uh, what I always say. Well, but this you was stole the thing. That I from didn't me. steal that from you. No, my assistant dean of my school. I've told you this story. You Do not you think. Haven't. Yes, I That's have. I Robert Beseda from North Carolina, Carolina School of the Arts. He sat down in our business class, which was basically him just like telling amazing stories of him being in the theater and being an agent before he became assistant dean of the school. He said, he's like, I'm telling you right now, if you really think you can do anything else, do it. Because a life in this work is really hard. And it is true. I mean, we have our movie coming out in New York. It came out last weekend in L.A. It's gone, you know, a lot of people have loved it. Not everyone. I mean, it's a polarizing piece, you know, as work like this often is. Uh, and... um and we still we were with some friends last night who were all in like you know the same line of work. We were all like, should we quit? But we can't. We don't know how to do anything else, and we have to do it in order to feel, um, in order to feel truly alive. And and also the other advice I would give is what is the practical thing that you can do to get to where you really want to get to not what you think the industry wants the industry is to be ignored all of this math that people do to get their work made it is the biggest lie it is the biggest lie um that that people tell themselves and it's actually I think like a mode of escape that people use to n- actually not do the work that they need to do and that is just, just making making sure that it is a true expression of yourself and trying to get people on board to, to get that made. And that is really the thing. And, and if you're doing that, it's I believe it, it it somehow finds its way. but it's you might not feel like it ever found its way, but it will.
1: <laughs> you gave both of the answers that I would give, so I feel I have nothing to offer. Um, but to that effect, I will I guess I will say that you should only really be working on the thing that you want to work on because I guess for me if lemon it, when I thought about if I get to make this movie and it's the only movie I get to make and and everybody hates it and it fails at least I know I made the thing that I wanted to make at the very least and that there was no and I I would say at the I think that lemon feels uncompromising and, and that is because it was made with that spirit. It's like, if I'm going to die, this is the only thing that will be left. These are my remains. And I at least want some semblance of what I meant or how I saw things. And so I feel like that spirit is very necessary. Like everything that you're working on, I think requires like, this is all of me. So that if I never get to do this again, at least I knew that I did me.
0: Beautiful note to end on. Thank you both so much. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: As mentioned, Lemon is in theaters now, and you can look out for it on streaming later this year. You can hear lots of other fascinating conversations about the art of filmmaking by finding the No Film School podcast in iTunes, and of course by visiting us at nofilmschool.com. Make sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you can catch our Indie Film Weekly News Show, which comes out every Thursday morning and fills you in on everything you might have missed when you were busy making films. You can reach me on Twitter, at Liz Film, and we are on Twitter, at No Film School. See you Thursday.